0: So we are in chapter 2 of Ephesians, we'll open our Bibles there, and for the past two Sundays we managed to cover chapter 1, which if we actually would go in in depth um, into that chapter, you know. It would, it would take us more than just two Sundays to, just to cover mm-hmm. chapter 1 there is a lot to get out of uh, chapter 1 we we talk about how, uh, well, Paul was a man of prayer um, we discussed that actually chapter 1, 2 and 3 could be considered just a long prayer so half of the book is a prayer and that's that's just for me, it's, uh, it's a great teaching because when I s- consider my own Life and my own uh, walk with christ um sometimes, if I need to confess this to you, i'm more like a guy who will spend hours in the Bible, but then when the time comes to pray right and it it is a struggle yeah. and I think it is it is not only my struggle um I think that happens to you too, right, <laughs> or i'm the only one <laughs> um Because we have, you know, so many things to do, distractions, responsibilities, and agenda, and things like that, and prayer takes time, prayer takes effort, and that's why we are encouraged as Christians to not only pray, but also to fast, which is a great tool uh, to discipline uh, our lives, you know, to discipline our our, our bodies, and to be focused in, in, in the Lord. Uh, but so we we talk about Paul as a man of prayer. We talk about spiritual blessings and and what that means. Uh, what can you remember about uh, about that chapter one? What Paul we you know when Paul speaks it's, and he says that we have been blessed in Jesus, that we are in Him. What does that mean? What do you remember?
1: We have an identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, position of holiness.
0: Yeah.
1: Progress. I have to write these things down, otherwise, I don't, I'm not that smart. And um, there was, oh, here it is. Uh, positional in Christ, where God sees us as holy and we're redeemed. Progr- uh, progressional, we have to grow up. Sanctification is maturity. Mm-hmm. And then I have a blank, and it's about our future.
0: Yeah. So, I forget what
1: the word was, though, that you used.
0: Our future salvation, I think, pretty sure. I don't have my notes with me now. That's okay. But um, even yesterday, Pastor, well, I don't want to spoil the message for you. But yesterday, <laughs> Pastor John spoke, uh, used a, uh, a portion from the book of Hebrews, where it says that when Jesus Christ returns, uh, well, we will, we'll, you know, get our salvation. You know, it will be like the, the full cycle. Mm-hmm. Cycle. We are saved right now. We know that. But we are expecting the return of the Son of God, so that salvation that we are just you know starting to taste and feel in this earth will be, you know, will get to its ultimate stage when we will be face to face with God, right? And we will enter heaven and we will be with Him forever. So, so Paul speaks about that too. What 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 else um, caught <coughs> your attention from chapter one? Well, uh, you.
2: I think uh, spiritual blessings can also be the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tell me more? Uh,
2: He
3: brings reconciliation. We are one with God's family.
2: Yes. One thing that I got out of what you said last Sunday was we have (coughs) have authority. Yeah. We have power and authority.
0: Yeah, that's true. Which... uh, we sometimes aren't aware of Yeah, welcome. Uh, yes, we have power and authority. Um, that's something that Paul will talk again in chapter three. And uh, that ties in with verse 10, m- chapter one, where it says that Jesus came to uh, unite all things in him. And that's part of our mission here on earth to proclaim that message, the message of the gospel, which is. Reconciliation um, with God and reconciliation, you know, between ourselves and others, and that's what—that's uh, why we are. We belong to a church where it's not only me and God; it's me, God, and my brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's true. What else from chapter one? It strikes me—he starts it in
4: chapter one, and it, you'd mentioned it the first week, and uh, so then as I read Ephesians, I just kind of looked for it. Mm-hmm. But how much he talks about this is his plan, this is you know God's you know mysterious plan according to his plan, this is his purpose and he you know he starts that in chapter one and, and that kind of that carries through as we go and um,
5: mm-hmm.
4: so yeah, I've, I just sort of find it interesting to, to track that that through it's it almost feels like um, you know, Paul is, you know, communicating, okay, I I, I think I understand now, this is the
0: plan. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> and he, you know, tries to lay it out for them.
0: And that's just, uh, I'm just going to close the door. And that just gives us peace, um, gives us hope and And also security, knowing that we are in God's plan. We are part of God's plan. Uh, Isn't that amazing? And even more, it says that it's an eternal plan. right? There's even good works, and we will talk about that today, Mm -hmm. that he prepared beforehand, before even the foundation of the world. We have been adopted as his children, and that decision, God's decision of adopting us into his family, that's, um, that's an eternal decision. It says that even before the foundation of the world. Uh, that's our identity, God's children. Uh, and then in chapter 2, we will talk a little bit about our purpose. So identity, chapter 1, our purpose, chapter 2. Identity in chapter 1, it's really well defined by Paul by saying that we are in Christ. And just in that chapter, you, you will find that phrase 11 times. Mm-hmm. And throughout the Bible, over 200 times. Mm-hmm. While just being Christians, you will only find the word Christians twice, two or three times in the whole New Testament.
4: I think also when, when Paul goes to that pla- place of saying, this is the plan, this is the purpose, I think what he's inviting people to do is to, is to kind of come out of their um, sort of myopic <laughs> mm-hmm. focus and see, okay, there's something bigger here, folks. This is the plan you know, and, and you may be, you know, I don't know exactly what the context was for these Christians at that time, but, um, you know, you, <coughs> things may seem kind of crazy right now, but remember, this is the plan. You know, this is part of the big big plan. And, you know, even for him to say that while in prison is is interesting, and I think he's perhaps reminding the Ephesians that um, that, you know, Things may may appear chaotic, but this is part of a big plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So God's plan, identity. What else um, from chapter one? This is just a recap. Well, or it, I found it interesting that uh,
2: Paul ties in the Passover and the Exodus and temple worship all with with atonement mm-hmm. through Christ. It's all all part of it. Yeah. Uh, they were released from egyptian bondage and through christ we are released from our bondage
0: as well yeah exactly and chapter uh, chapter 2 will uh, bring more clarity to that uh, where paul will will speak about the state of life that we had before uh before um coming to christ before our you know before us walking now in this new and new- newness of life um you know what was our life? And Paul will describe the the life of the Gentiles as being uh, aliens, just to the covenants of God, and you know, living under the captivity of sin and and, and and darkness. And so he will speak about the spiritual powers too in chapter two. So, yeah, anything else from chapter one?
1: The unity thing is really important, and we would be unified if we all remembered. Whose we were in Christ. That's a pretty powerful statement. If we know that, that gives us a different identity. We're always about our identity, and it's not about our identity. Mm -hmm. It's about Christ's identity, which we share in Christ. And then at the same time, it's about something that's bigger than ourselves. So we like to live in the world of who am I and what's my plan, Mm. whereas if we really understood whose we were and... The plan isn't ours it would make life so much easier
0: definitely yeah
1: and and we just always bring it internal about ourselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's, it's not about us it's mm-hmm. about God using uh, wanting to be in a relationship with us
0: yeah exactly
1: and even that should be an, should be something that gives us an identity really mm-hmm. the God of the universe Mm-hmm. wants to be in relationship with me that would be like me wanting to be in relationship with a one-celled organism, like really what would it, we don't have anything in common Yeah. and that is even too close mm-hmm. in comparison to who God is
0: yeah. thank you for sharing that yeah. okay. and
1: Israel is
3: important it was the first to receive God's calling through Abraham, yeah. he blessed us
0: yeah it's true yeah. And it's part of God's plan to bring this blessing to the world through Israel yeah and from both people um, from Gentiles and the Jewish nation make just one one people okay anyone else would like to share something else about uh, chapter 1 if not we'll get ready to jump to chapter 2 Something that I remember for, from our last uh, um, Sunday schools is uh, that Paul seems to put the emphasis on two words: uh, saints and faithfuls. You know we are the holy ones, we are saints, but we are also faithful in, in Christ. and uh, you know sometimes we f- think about our personal walk with, with the Lord, and we tend to think, well, I don't know if I'm that. Saint, that of a saint or that of a faithful, but Bible. That's what Paul says. God sees us as saints and faithfuls, and you know the the word faithful there, uh, or you know to have faith means to believe, but also to be faithful to the end. You know, and that's also part of what we are supposed to to do in this earth, to work on. You know being more obedient to our Father and growing in obedience, growing in, in holiness, but also growing in our faithfulness to Him.
1: So God sees us with our potential, not yeah. as we are.
0: That's a good point, yeah.
1: Well, if we knew, if we believed that, yeah. we would live differently because I don't see my potential <gasps> yeah. and I don't believe my potential, therefore I don't have potential mm-hmm. and I don't act on it. But if God sees me with my potential that should be life-changing.
0: Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. And that's why we need the connection to the Word of God, because the Word of God will affirm yeah. uh, that potential. It's, okay. it's like, if my, if I want my children to, you know, grow in their self-confidence, I will have to talk to them about that. I will, you know, reassure them that they, they have talents, that they have skills, that they have purpose. And, uh, you know, that's what God, us to uh, with us through his word the problem is that sometimes we don't open his word we don't have that connection with that relationship with scripture all right let's get now uh, to chapter two so chapter two is similar in a sense to chapter one in the way that um, it's it starts with a lengthy in the greek a lengthy sentence again again from verse one to seven and then it's composed by eight shorter segments and um, there's a couple of words that, uh, uh, that Paul would like to em- uh, emphasize here. Uh, they, they are peace and unity. So this chapter is all about peace and unity. The peace that God had uh, given us to Jesus, who, by the way, is our peace. So that's the key uh, uh, phrase of chapter 2. Jesus is our peace. But Jesus is not only our peace. He is the peacemaker. So when we think about peace, let's not think about peace in just individualistic terms. Like, oh, I've, you know, I have such a peace now. Um, when Paul uses the word peace here, the, the word peace is shalom, which, which in Hebrew means you know, nothing in the middle. Between you and me, there's nothing in the middle. We have shalom. You know, we, so it, it, it just fosters uh, unity. And that's what Paul is trying to explain. Jesus is our peacemaker, so thus, now you, um, Jewish Christians and Gentiles Christians, you need to understand that and be one. And Paul will talk about that in this chapter. So let's start with uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And I will ask one of you to read... Uh, verses 1 to 3. And then if you would like to share your thoughts about uh, these three verses, please do so. We will just open the table to discussion. I have ESV version. doesn't matter what version you have. That's fine.
1: As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when... You followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are, were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive Oh, I read too far.
0: No, it's, it's till verse three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you think Paul is trying to communicate in those verses?
1: There's a fair bit of past tense. Mm-hmm. You were dead. That's a past tense. In which you used to live. That was. That's a past tense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also
0: present tense yes. when he speaks about the, the spirit working now he is at work, yeah. is
1: at work. <coughs> and all of us we used to live among them and yeah. we were following um yeah and we were deserving of wrath
0: yeah okay who's wrath god's okay good so spoiler alert today pastor john will probably be speaking about that uh, a little bit (laughs) about the the doctrine of judgment okay Um, so and who is Paul referring to when he says and you were dead and then he also used um, he also says um, in verse 2 in which you once walked so who is that you who is referring to the Christians Mm -hmm. the Ephesian
1: Christians Mm-hmm. Okay. at the time, but us now.
0: Mm-hmm. So we know that the church in Ephesus, just like many churches in the first century, was composed by both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, right? So do you think that he is referring to Jewish Christians here or Gentile Christians? Uh, Gentile Christians,
2: I think. Mm-hmm. Yes you pointed Christians. that out last time in chapter one yes when he refers to we he's talking about the jews When he talks
0: about you he's referring to the gentiles yes mm-hmm. so paul here is describing um the life that of those who didn't belong to the the covenant of god and we know that before jesus uh, israel was uh in that sense the people of god but the problem is that israel they lost sight of their purpose. You know that Israel had the purpose of being a light to the world
5: mm-hmm.
0: and pointing nations to God. That's when the extras took place. A lot of Egyptians and foreigners decided to, you know, go with them. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, it was not inclusion. The problem is that legalism uh, became so strong that suddenly the, the, the rabbis, the you know, the Jewish leaders, they decided to take the law. And the law, the purpose of the law, the, uh, the purpose of the law is to give freedom. Then they use it actually to, you know, control people and to just build giant, uh, you know, dividing walls. So now, for example, even women, they were not supposed to enter the temple. Did you know that? Just men. Uh, Greeks or Gentiles, they were not supposed to enter the temple. They They just... They were able just to, you know, step into a certain point, and then that's it. Otherwise, they will be, you know, getting in trouble. And that's something that happened to Paul when he tried to enter uh, a a Greek into a temple. And he was arrested for doing that. But was that all in the law? No. That's why Paul later will speak about two things. Commandments, that's God's law. And uh, ordinances, you know, that's... the interpretation of the law. So because they did that, they created those dividing walls, and they forgot their purpose. The purpose was to be a light to the world, a soul to the earth. Does that sound similar to our purpose as a church? So um, so yes, Paul is speaking about Gentiles here. And it's interesting to me in verse 3, he says in the ESV version, among whom we... All once lived, so for Gentiles, the problem was that they didn't have the law, they didn't know better, we can say, but even having the law, Israel was also uh, Israel fell short before God, because even having the law, even even having the the promises of God, they lived in the passions of their flesh, just like us Gentiles. We have, you know, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. He says, Carry, carrying, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of, man, of uh, mankind. So both Jewish and Gentiles, without, you know, if we don't put our faith in Jesus as our only Savior, we are all under the wrath of God. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or gentile it's it's interesting isn't it what else can you get out of uh, verse 1 to 3
1: there's a ruler of the
0: air yeah it's interesting eh and who is that well
1: obviously Satan but Mm
0: -hmm. what do you think uh, does that mean that he's the ruler of the air in Paul's mind, what does that mean? The ESB says um, that we all follow the prince of the power of the air, or the ruler of the air. And then Paul explains, says that that, is, that character is actually a spirit, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. interesting too how he speaks about us before christ as sons of disobedience again you know bringing up again the notion of adoption now we are we were sons of disobedience now we are sons of god we are children of god but who is that you know who is the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience who is this this prince of the power of the air what does that mean what do you think
3: Satan's kingdom is in the second layer Mm -hmm. We have the first, the air and then he's up in the second layer
0: yeah Yeah. most scholars will say that when Paul speaks about the prince of of the air, uh, he's bringing up the, the Jewish notion of you know, different layers for heaven, you know, he even spoke about him being transferred into the third heaven, and one of his letters, one of his epistles. And that was a supernatural experience that he had. So for, in uh, the Jewish mindset, the first air was just a natural atmosphere. And that's, we know, in the Bible, that's where Satan was, you know, he was cast out from the mm-hmm. third heaven, the person of God, or the second heaven, the, where the angels um, dwell, or, you know, where the angels have, you know, their influence in the world. He was cast out to the, to the world, the first heaven or the earth. So the Bible clearly says that he has influence. And we know that, right? At the end of the day, he is the one behind every war, every calamity, every time you know, children, you know, they race against their, their fathers or fathers against children. Every time we see violence, Satan is behind all that. He is the prince of the earth, So he's trying to bring his influence over people, especially those who he has ownership, the sons of disobedience. Do you remember Jesus saying something about that in the Gospels when he was talking to a certain group of people? And he said, you are like your father. father. Your father. <laughs> the devil."
3: <laughs>
0: so Satan, in a way, he has children. And... The news here is that we were sons of, these, of disobedience you know if we just stop and think a little bit about our life before god before we actually um came to him and repent of our sins how was that life one well, definitely was a life full of disobedience we didn't care about rules we didn't care about uh, authority nothing do you see that in our society today? Yeah. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> our grandson just told us something. You know about that guy he works with in the paint shop? Oh, he yeah. has a pentagon on his the, 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 neck, and he says, look at this, uh, Dominic. Uh,
2: hmm. Yeah, he gave him a, a, a write-up. Uh, I don't know if he personally wrote this or if he got it from somewhere else, but he says October is the month. Where the veil is the thinnest Hmm. between the spirit realm and the earth, Mm -hmm. he says it is the best time of the year to communicate with the dead. Hmm. And he is a Satan worshipper. He's yeah. He owns a store here in the city where he sells all kinds of paraphernalia.
5: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I have uh, talked to some (coughs) Satan worshippers before. And it's interesting because it's so similar to the state of the city of Ephesus, right? We, we, we talk about that. Remember when, when where Paul says that Jesus' name is above other names? Yeah. And it has to do with that, with magic. Yeah. You know, people trying to invoke other names yeah. or spirits, calling them by name. But we have authority. We, we just learned that from chapter 1. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to destroy the works of the devil actually that's what Jesus came to do
1: yeah Um, I've always believed that uh, Satan works the hardest on God's children because the others are already his
5: Mm -hmm.
1: and so uh, he wants to destroy our witnesses so we are more of a target for Satan and his yeah
0: yeah and he will use those who have control over to try to uh, affect our faith that's for yeah. sure.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: We'll try to
0: attack our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that we will discuss later in chapter five and six. I have a question. Yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat>
1: um, the whole idea of spirit, mm-hmm. I mean, it's non tangible, it's like it's not physical, mm-hmm. but it's real.
5: Yeah.
1: Somebody had said that another word that you can use for spirit is attitude. Is that true? Like, mm. Because that's more of a non-tangible. So we have an attitude or a belief system that is like God's or it's like Satan's.
5: hmm
1: And that, that always kind of resonated with me. So instead of praying against a spirit, which I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what to picture. Mm-hmm. But if I pray against an attitude
5: yeah.
1: or a belief system, then I know what I'm praying against. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or is that just kind of a... Well... It's probably a very a, kind of spirit 101
0: on yeah. one thing. It's the first time that I hear that in, interpretation. I don't know about well, you guys, but um, the Bible says that our fight against not flesh and blood, but against spirits. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks about arguments, you know. The, right. the, the devil will try to raise arguments in, in our minds, even. He will try to, you know, get a... Um, but
1: an argument is an attitude.
0: It's, yeah, or it's a system of belief, something that right. I will, you know, show to others through my attitudes. Right. You know, through my behavior or through my words. Yeah. You know, I use words or behavior to display what I believe.
5: <clears throat> well, I, think
0: it, like, I think the Bible um,
4: points to certainly occasions where there, where there is a specific spirit that has a name. Which is
1: an like an attitude of anger, an attitude of lust. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. There are there are those. I'm I'm wondering if it's both. Mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. So you know, um, you know, Jesus cast out spirits. Individuals they those spirits, you know, spoke to Jesus. There was an interaction.
1: Right. Right? I agree.
4: So there are there are those, you know, individuals specific. Mm -hmm spirits
1: yeah i agree but,
4: but there can also be a mindset a spirit <laughs> of mm-hmm. whatever rebellion or
1: yeah so that whatever manifests the action is the clothing of the attitude and we just lump it together yeah. in spirits. but
4: i think i think mm-hmm. what we have to be cautious of is is backing away from the idea that that there are that there there are individual you know there is a an individual that is the devil there are individuals that are demons there yeah. there those are actual individuals spirits we right. often call them but there's also the broad attitudes
1: well that's that's why i was saying like god who is spirit and yet jesus is the word. Well, you can't touch that except yeah. for when he came as a physical person. So if Satan Satan has the same God encompasses all that is holy and good and if you want to call it spirit or attitudes or thoughts mm. or words, they all sort of sound the same but they're all kind of a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Satan. We have spirits, attitudes, beliefs, words. That are all evil. That are all encompassed by evil. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't a heresy that okay. when I. But to me, that's a, I always had such a hard time with praying against this spirit and praying against that spirit, and I didn't even have a clue what they were talking yeah. about. But when when this person said, "Well, it's 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 an attitude. You pray against that attitude that you have. You've taken on those thoughts. You've taken on those words. Now get rid of those." And I can't. I don't know what I'm picturing, but at least I'm picturing a word when I. When I do that, and for me, I, I was just checking for myself. I'm
0: not trying to no, you no, no, anything a, here. it's no, it's a good discussion. Uh, I, I can think that, yes, yeah, sometimes uh, we'll have to um, face opposition from the enemy, and that will come th- in the shape of different attitudes, you know, in different people. And yeah. that's in Chapter mm-hmm. 5, in the context of spiritual warfare, Paul will, will, will talk about marriage, for example. Well, the enemy will try to bring some attitudes into your marriage, right? So yes, it will happen, or in your relationship with your children, or even at the at the workplace. And for me, it's interesting how Paul connects that to spiritual warfare right right after. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to consider that Paul didn't. You know, he was a Jewish uh, thinker, even though he was, of course, a Christian yeah. and he had the Holy Spirit. But but his roots was you know were in the Jewish faith. Yeah. So in Judaism, it's different to us where we go step. You know. Point one, point two, point three. Conclusion: In Judaism, it's just a whole thought that he will develop from the very very first to the end. And this, the book of Ephesians, because it's a book of prayer, and um, it speaks about the church. But Paul will will connect spiritual the, the spiritual battle of that we. That we, that we face every day with our personal relationships. And it starts right right in chapter 1 or chapter 2 when he speaks of the devil being of influence to divide Christians, to divide in the church of Ephesus the Jewish Christians and the Gentiles. That's why he had to bring the, the demonstration of the power of God to, you know, uh, destroy the enemy was when Jesus died on that cross. He is our peacemaker and bringing his peace. He destroyed the wall of... Ho- Hostility, the dividing wall between us. So, uh, you know, and the and the enemy will try to divide us over attitudes, of, of course. But also in the gospels, we see Jesus, you know, um, casting out demons of sickness, you know, and mm-hmm. and that's not an a, that's not, not an, an attitude, attitude. right? Yeah. It's, a, it's it's a real thing. Yeah. Or 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 for example, the spirit that the gathering. Guy, you know, who was uh, possessed by a spirit named uh, Legion. So, you know, that was not actually an attitude. It was, you know, the enemy bringing destruction into um, a life. Life. So, yeah. So to finish verse one to three, we see something interesting here. Is that we see a triple curse. First, we see the curse of sin and its and its penalty in verse one. And you were dead, which is the penalty of sin. We know what that is, death. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And it's interesting because in the Greek, the word trespasses and sins are two different Greek words. They're not the same. Trespasses are unknown sins. Well, sins are known sins. Does that make sense? So Jesus died on the cross for the sins that we know that we have committed, but even for those sins that we don't even know that we have committed. (laughs) Because God only knows. God knows the, the motives of the heart, right? So that's interesting. It's um, the, the the use that Paul does of the word there, uh, trespasses and sin. Um, second, we see here the curse of living under the fallen world system in verse 2. It says, in which you once walked following the course. So whenever Paul says or used the verb walk, he's saying living, you know in which you, you once walked, following the, the, the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that is now at work at, in the sons of disobedience. So we were under uh, the curse of uh, this fallen world system. And that means that we were under the influence of Satan, who is described by, by Paul as the prince of the power of the earth. So Paul is defining his uh, dominion. You know, the earth, the natural spiritual realm, but in this earth, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And that's why the church, as the church, we manifest the power of God because we are in this constant battle against darkness. Because this is the, in, in that sense, Jesus came to establish his kingdom and the church is just conquering, you know, the darkness to the victory of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's what we do. And Every time you go to work, every time you go to school, every time you talk to someone who is a son of disobedience, there will be a spiritual battle. You know, darkness versus light. But we have the Holy Spirit, who is higher than any demon. We have the assistance of angels. And it's not like now we will try to invoke angels, because we don't need to do that. But God had, you know, moved heaven to earth. That's amazing. In Jesus, we see heaven coming to earth. And, and now we, as the church, we are uh, God's instruments uh, to bring his victory to every corner of this earth. Um, so we were under the influence of Satan. Now, can Satan still try to influence our actions? Yes, of course. That's why we need to put on the armor of God every day, you know, even Satan did that with Peter, remember? When Peter said to Jesus, do not go to a cross. Take care of yourself. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. So, said Jesus to <clears throat> who will be the leader of the church.
5: Yeah.
0: Mm? Um, and then we were also under the pressure of a disobedient society. We know that. And society is still trying to push their values to us. Mm-hmm. Third, the curse of living under the, the control of the sinful nature. Again, uh, are we still fighting our flesh? Yes. Paul s- speaks about that in Romans, Romans 7 and 8, right? Um, he, him saying, well, this is a fight. I'm fighting my desires, the desires of my flesh. That's why I have the Holy Spirit to give me victory. You have to go? Me, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go agree. Thank you. So we were following the passions of the flesh, being controlled by the unrenewed mind, and the consequence of all this was to be under God's wrath. Okay. Now, I will stop here, and I'd like to ask you, you guys need to go now to finish the prep work here for the potluck, or would you like to... to Just you guys have to to greet? Okay, thank you. You guys okay staying another 15 minutes? Yeah? Yeah? All good? All right. So let's go now to verse 4 to 10, and I will ask one of you to read verse 4 to 10 of Ephesians 2.
4: So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned
0: for us long ago. Okay. So this could be taken as one as uh, the clearest explanation of the doctrine of salvation in the whole Bible. You know what's salvation? It's right there.
5: Hmm.
0: It's not by works, it's by faith. Um does that mean that we don't need to grow in good works for God? No, verse ten explains that we have insight for good works, not by good works. Hmm. And we have been saved uh, through God's great work in Jesus. So who did the work to save us was God himself through the Son. So we are not saved by good works. We are saved by Jesus' great work of salvation on the cross. Right? Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah? What, what else can you get out of this, uh, this portion?
4: You know, I, I like that theme of the things that he has planned for us. He planned for us to do uh, certain good things in this world. That's mm-hmm. That was his plan. Um, the plan got, you know, in a sense derailed. Um, you know, but through Christ's work, we, we can,
0: you know, continue to fulfill that big plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's in verse ten, right? Yeah. It's interesting how Paul uses the word creation again, created in Christ Jesus. So it, it's it's so um, so amazing because he's he's saying that the church, we are part of God's plan of recreation. You know, we have been we have been created again. When when you came to Jesus, you were born again, right? So there's that new creation, the spiritual new creation in us. It's Christ Jesus raising us from the trespasses and sins in in which we were death. So Paul uses resurrection language. And he made us alive together with Christ, which for me is key in the whole book. Made us alive from death to life, but together. Speaks again, unity. Always Paul is here. Paul doesn't speak on individualistic terms. It's all about the church, all together. Made us alive, together, all of us, with Christ. That connection to our Messiah. And it's in verse 4, he stops the flow because in verses 1 to 3, they're, you know, kind of negative, right? Speaking about (laughs) death, trespasses, sins, the devil, uh, the influence of the world, sin, uh, you know, the desires of the flesh and you know in it is like if we wouldn't have verse four it would be like okay we are all under god's wrath that's it the end end, end of the story end of end of humanity god is done with us but then paul says but god huh. he brings that great word but but god and again, he goes and speaks about God. He's rich in mercy, you know, contrary to us, who are, you know, we are selfish individuals, or we, we were selfish individuals before,
5: mm-hmm.
0: you know. But now, look at you, you guys. You are serving the church. You are serving other brothers. You are putting together in a potluck for many people that today will come to, be, to receive from God a, a word of encouragement, a word of healing. Who knows what the Spirit will do today? It's just amazing so that is only possible because we have made it made alive together with Christ so he's rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespass so the contrast with verses 1 to 3 he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus so the question is what is grace what is grace to you what, what do you think grace is
3: Something we didn't deserve.
1: <laughs> Somebody used the acronym God's riches at Christ's expense.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So we have a lot of stuff, a lot of things, and a new identity, new power, new future, a new uh, freedom from past. Those are all God's riches,
5: mm-hmm.
1: but we don't get them unless because the reason we get them is because of God's uh, Christ's uh, expense on the cross. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, grace is one of those terms that are uh, hard to define. Uh, John Stott, I don't know if you have ever read John Stott. He was a a British scholar and he says that for him grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues.
5: Mm -hmm.
0: It's basically The demonstration of God's love to us. That's his grace. Read that again. John uh, John Stott defines grace as love that cares and stoops and rescues. Um, So here we see again that we are surprised by God's grace. You know, when everything was wrong, God decided to show up and do something to fix the problem. And he did that through Jesus because, of, because he's rich in mercy, because he loves us, because um, he, want us, he, he wanted us to be um, his children. Verse 6, says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that's amazing because it speaks of, of us, the church, now being enthroned with Jesus. And that's a place of authority right that's a place of um influence so the church is called to uh has the calling of manifesting that authority to this world who the world that is in darkness the world that is dying people that are death that are coming to our temples and they need to know the love of god they need to know the riches of god they need to know that salvation is actually life it's life changer it's a it's an experience that not only takes place on a Sunday, it's a you know lifelong experience. Every day we need to think about our salvation. every day we, we need to think about God's grace and we need to invite people to come to him and, um, and, we, and that's the task or the mission of the church to manifest that love and that um, work that the Father did through Jesus to bring us out of captivity into uh, his presence in, into the freedom of the spirit.
1: What blows me away is why God would ask us to represent <coughs> Him. Yeah. We do such a terrible job of doing <laughs> it. Like seriously, it's it's like. So when we look to other Christians to receive what only God can do, no wonder we're not functioning so well. And when I when I do look at other people to fulfill what only God can give me. That's depressing. It doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. But we do a bad job.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet he gives us the job to do. Like, what were you thinking? Why didn't yeah. you just use angels? They do a better job.
0: <laughs> well, the, verse um, 7 says that, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So what are we doing as, as his church? We are here to show his kindness, his mercy. His grace, and I and I think God decided to do that through through us broken vessels. Yeah. Uh, so His power could be manifested in our weakness, you know, because we cannot do it on on our own. Yeah. We need His grace. So verse eight, because it's speaking about grace, says that for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Even the faith that we have is not our own doing. I mean, a dead body can't have faith. And Paul was clear at first. He says, we were dead. So even the faith that we have, that we had when we decided to come to him, that was even God's gift to us, to give us that, uh, that faith, to trust in him and to come to Jesus. Uh, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. And then verse 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And Paul there, um, as a Jewish uh, fella, for in Judaism, works was a big thing. You were supposed to, you know, earn your way through works. You were supposed to show, you know, that you are capable of... of you know, being obedient to the 613 commandments that they have, plus the small, you know, uh, ordinances. Like, for example, in the in the Shabbat, you were not supposed to walk over more than 30, miles, 30 kilometers or something like that. So they, they you know, they, we went, they, they were so um, into the details, like what you can do, what you cannot do. And here we see Jesus bringing, you know, narrowing down the commandments and the law in just the great commandment love your god and love your neighbor as yourself and the new commandment in the book of john chapter 13 verse 34 love one another as i have loved you so jesus says the spirit of the law is relationships not do works and then you were you will earn a relationship with god is no enjoy your relationship with god and from that relation of course do good works <coughs>
1: what do you think we're only asked to pass on what we received yeah but the reason we can't pass it on is because we have no idea what we've received if we knew how much god remembered how much god loves us Mm -hmm. unconditionally if we remember how much he forgave us then we could pass that on we only pass on what he's given to us, but the reason we can't pass it on is we're not recognizing what he's, what he has given and done for us. Mm-hmm. That's and, true, and it's when we, you know, we're, when we're even at the cross. Yeah, but he did this and I did this, so it's not as bad. No, at the cross we're equal. Mm-hmm. God gave me forgiveness for my one thought or a bad word as opposed to the murderer standing beside me mm-hmm. that's equal so i pass that on we always live in hierarchies right yeah.
0: and that concept of equality should be the dna of our of our church
5: it's not mm-hmm.
0: in the world i'm speaking in in general terms the world the universal church equality that we have all been saved by the same cross mm-hmm not like you have your own cross and it's better than mine
1: well jesus took medicine when he took my nails
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's how i live sometimes You know, it's it's the same cross it's the same jesus paid the same price for all of us now to finish today we will stop in verse 10 i want to share with you what keener which by the way it's a charismatic uh pentecostal theologian really good one Um, he says about um verse 6 to be enthroned, that's where Paul says that we are seated with Jesus in the heavenly in the, in the heavenly places. Keener says that to be enthroned that we are there to be enthroned over the evil powers. Christians need to, not to fear demons, fate or anything else. Their lives are ruled by God. I think that's pretty interesting. We are not slaves to fear anymore. And then um, verse 9 says that all this is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then verse 10, for we are his workmanship, which in the Greek means work of art. I like, I like this version, how he put it. Um, as we are his masterpiece. Masterpiece, so a work of art. So again, recreation language. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them because we are not under the you know captivity anymore we are not under the influence of the world or, or the enemy now we have the power to you know walk and live to display those good works now the question is what are those good works well who knows only God and you you need to figure that out but not by yourself that's why we have the church you know, God will show you the good works that you're supposed to do through his church. You know, what is, what, where, where are your gifts? Where are your talents? What's your purpose in life? And all that purpose will be connected to someone else. It's not an, an isolated purpose in life. It's in regards of the church, You know, in regards to what we do as the body of Christ on earth.